Yo, what's up, everyone? G Money Stacks here. You may remember me from shows like Off the Meat Rat Chains, New York Avenue podcast, Excellent Fun Vibrant Talks podcast, Sports Edition show, Meticulous Vibe Juice podcast review show. So, you want to know how to use Spotify for podcasters, right? I'm here to talk to you at home about Spotify for podcasters. Why are you wasting and struggling with your money on a hosting site to promote your show with limited storages? Forget about it. Let's break this down. Let me tell you how it works. If you are a current anchor user, don't worry about the changes. Everything will be the same with added new features. Spotify for podcasters, formerly known as Anchor, is a free hosting site and phone app that gives you old and new creation tools also provides free hosting and with access to record upload videos from podcast episodes edit add music to your show monetize q a questions polls distribute your podcast on streaming platforms tracking analytics plus the show's growth audience from international places like Canada, USA, including Long Island and five boroughs of New York, and much more. You can get money from sponsorships with no minimum listenership. Spotify for Podcasters also offers free hosting and a way to upload podcast videos to attract listeners. Also, keep track of the number of streams. These are the important keys to making a podcast. If you like to create a podcast and be a guest co-host like myself, you can download the free Spotify for Podcasters app on your iPhones, Android phones, iPads, Android tablets, Apple, Mac, and Dell laptops with Windows, or check out the website for more information to get a head start on your podcast journey at www.podcasters.spotify.com. If I can reach success, so can you. Take advantage of the opportunity that's thrown in your face. I'm G Money Stacks, a.k.a. The Greginator. Thank you for listening to me and the podcast. Let's go.
Good evening, sports fans, including the Mets fans out there from USA, international, Canada, Long Island, aka Strong Island, plus the five spots of Brooklyn, Bronx, Manhattan, Stand Island, Queens. This is your man, G Money Stacks, aka the Greginator, YouTuber, creator, host with the most, misunderstood, lonely nomad, the man who holds the back doors of the Q5 and N24 buses. And of course, Queens, New York, native of Lords in Queens, New York. And yes, you are now rocking and hanging out with me on the 70th episode of Excellent Fun Vibrant Talks podcast, the sports edition show platform. Um, we're live and direct from StreamYard alongside with YouTube. And speaking of speaking of speaking of YouTube, if you are new to the channel and you miss any new or previous episodes that's that's already out already, don't worry, I got you back. Um, all you got to do is go ahead and grab that subscribe button for me and be sure to um, enable alerts, which is the notification bell. So you can be notified on when each episode um, recording is going to be live via live stream. And of course, um, click on the like and along with um, commenting on the sports topics that's being discussed in each episode. And um, also, um, be sure to download the episodes. You can even add this podcast to your playlist on every streaming platforms, which includes Spotify, Odyssey. You have Audible, CastBox FM. You have... Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and YouTube as well as other streaming platforms wherever you get your podcast. One second. All right. Um, sorry about that. Um, anyway, as I was saying, before, as I was saying, with the YouTube. All right. So, yes. Be sure to stay tuned for more video content, upcoming episodes, previous episodes, and of course, I will handle the rest wherever you, you um, wherever you stream your podcast shows and stuff. Um, also, um, let me add this, though. If you add the podcast to your playlist, you will be notified on when each episode, each new episode will be dropping. All right. Um, hold on. Before we even begin with the first topic is in um the sports segment um quick side bleacher bar um let me remind everybody that um that um this podcast is also live streaming on Instagram live 
be sure to follow the podcast on Instagram so you know and be notified when I'll be live streaming on Instagram Live along with the episodes. All right. So there you have it right there. All right. So. Okay. And um, if you'd like to communicate with me involving sports, whether it's about um, the New York Mets and the offseason as far as like signings and all that other stuff, you're more than welcome to actually join my Discord, which is G Money Stacks Triple Five. All right. So there you have it. There you have it right there. And also, if you'd like to make a donation, you, you're more than welcome to actually do that. You can you can either go to my cash app, which is dollar sign G Money Stacks Triple Five, or you can go to my um PayPal, which is paypal.me slash G Money Stacks Triple Five. No, excuse me. Excuse me. Um G Money Stacks Queens, New York. All right. So you don't need a lot of money to show more support. All you, all you need to do is your best, whatever amount of money you choose and desire to donate will be appreciated. It's just to grow this podcast and the other podcast shows that I do. Um, and, of course, it kind of helps the channel and the algorithm if you click on the like button. All right. So there you have it right there. So. All right. Let's go to the quick side bleacher bar. We got some stuff to talk about here. Let's start off with a former NFL athlete. And this is according to um, um, the folks from TMZ Sports. Now, this guy did something very, very, very stupid. Um, very stupid, <laughs> which we will get to right about. Hold on a second. This is crazy. Yeah, let's get. Yeah, we're going to get to it. Um, Give me one second. Give me one second here, folks. All right. Yes, as I was saying, um, a former athlete, according to the people from um, TMZ Sports, um, goes by the name of Henry um, Ruggs. All right, so here's what's happening here. Henry Ruggs attorneys David um, Chestnoff and Richard um, Schoenfield just released a statement following Wednesday's Wednesday morning's hearing. Prompt, excuse me. 
promising that when the former football player is released from prison, he will return to making positive contributions to his community. Mr. Ruggs has accepted responsibility for his actions, his actions and to the guilty plea and now has been sentenced by the court. The lawyer said in court today, Mr. Ruggs expressed his sincere sadness for the loss of Mrs. Tinter, Mrs. Tinter and the impact that it has had on her loved ones. They added, Ruggs is prepared to serve his prison sentence. So in case nobody didn't know what's going on with this guy, former NFL star Henry Ruggs has been sentenced to three to 10 years in prison over the 2021 car crash that resulted in the death of 23-year-old Tina Tinter and her dog. The X-Raiders wide receiver learned his fate just minutes ago inside a packed Las Vegas courtroom. Ruggs, age 24, showed up to the to the Wednesday morning proceedings in a Navy suit and tie and issued an apology to Tinter's family right at the outset of the hearing. Oh, boy. Okay, that was stupid. That was very, very stupid of the guy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That was pretty stupid, though, man, to actually ruin your whole NFL career over this shit. Like, come on. This is nuts, man, what he did. All right, let me give a shout out to somebody in the chat real quick. Hold on. Yeah. Um, all right, let me keep going here. So. The issue with Henry Ruggs. Um, this is what he said in quotes. So. To the parents and family of Miss Tinter, I sincerely, sincerely apologize for 
the pain and suffering my actions the morning of November 2nd, 2021 have caused you, your family, and those who knew Miss Tinter and Max, he, he said. I let my family, my teammates, and those who believed in me down with my actions and hurt so many. He added that there was no excuse for his actions. A statement from Tinter's family was also read inside the courtroom before the judge made her ruling. Ruggs was then immediately reprimanded, excuse me, remanded into custody. Yep. Um, let's, yeah, that's crazy though. Yeah, into custody. Okay, so Ruggs was initially facing more than 50 years behind bars in the case after authorities accused him of drunken, drunkenly slamming his Corvette into the back of Tinta's uh, RAV4 in Vegas, killing her and her golden retriever. But the former football player reached a deal with prosecutions back in May, agreeing to plead guilty to one felony count of DUI resulting in death and one misdemeanor count of uh, vehicular manslaughter in exchange for a prison sentence that would not exceed three to ten years. Ruggs, who will now be eligible for parole following his third year in prison, was picked up by the Raiders in the first round of the 2020 NFL Draft. And he has started 19 games in his two seasons with the team. The organization released him following the incident. Good for them. Like, you don't want no negative shit to be like... um. You know, surrounding all this shit. So, um, and speaking of which, man, let's get to let's get to the Knicks. All right. Um, um, this is a previous topic that I was saving. So, um, just bear with me. This is a little bit of a recap. All right. So, um, so let's see. The Knicks consider themselves a tough group, a tight group, a group at its best when facing adversity, capable of digging deep when everything is working against them and proving their detractors wrong. Monday night, they got to prove it. They get to show it. They can erase the ugly memory of Saturday afternoon's 19-point loss and even the series. Game four is as close to a must-win as it gets. The bottom line, Coach Tom Thibodeau said on Sunday, is we all have to play a lot better. That is clear. That is obvious. Game three the, was the Knicks' worst performance. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> worst performance of, of, the, of the postseason and one of their worst efforts of the season.
They scored a season-low 86 points. They lost the rebounding battle for the first time this series. They were crushed in the paint and made only eight of 43-point attempts. Most concerning, they were outworked, repeatedly beaten to loose balls. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. Most concerning, they were outworked. Yeah, I already read that. Typically, the most aggressive team wins. Julius Randle said, they had more of an edge coming off a loss. So hopefully, we would come, we come out like that on Monday. Um... They better or they will be starting down elimination Wednesday at the Garden. The Knicks badly need to figure out their offense issues, offensive issues, excuse me. The numbers through three games are not pretty. An offensive rating of 105.3 points per 100 possessions and 99.3 points per game, both the worst of any of the eight teams left in the postseason. The Knicks are shooting 27.2% from three-point range this round, better than only the Suns, and 41.2% overall. They are making 56.9% of their attempts from five feet and in down from their regular season mark of 63.1. Their 19.3 assists is also down from their 22.3 average during the year. Their defense is very good, Thibodeau said of the Heat. There's going to be two and three guys around you, and then you've got to read the game and just trust the pass. After the game three loss, Josh Hart said the Knicks had to play faster, and on Sunday, R.J. Barrett, Randall, and Thibodeau all agreed. It's very important play with pace, get some easy buckets, and even in half-court play with more pace. Make their defensive – no, excuse me, their defense have to work a little harder, Barrett said. It will be very important for us. Obviously, that's easier said than done. The Knicks aren't forcing the Heat to turn it up. No, excuse me, to turn it over much. Miami is averaging only nine turnovers per game in the series, limiting the Knicks' transition opportunities. They just they have just um 21 total fast break points through three games. Nothing has been easy for them. And finding a way to win Monday night certainly won't be either. They may not have super sub 
Emmanuel quickly moving forward as he deals with a sprained left ankle, weakening the Knicks' troublesome second unit. Um, damn, son. Damn. That has to suck, man. That shit has to really suck. I, I, I hate to say this, man. That's just that shit really has to suck for, for the Knicks right now. It really does, man. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, so quickly is listed as doubtful. Everything is pointing in the in the heat's direction now. They have been the better team. In Jimmy Butler, they have the best player. But one victory would change everything. The Knicks came to Miami needing one win to maintain home court advantage. They can still get it. I think we're confident it's just we got to execute, Randall said. Come out with a certain level of aggression physically and find a way to win a game. It's not going to be easy. You think... <laughs> yeah oh my gosh um let's see all right so a little recap of the lakers warriors <laughs> um <clears throat> and um so um this is from the people from espn the Lakers started the season eight games under 500. Now they are four wins away from the NBA Finals. Los Angeles took down the defending champion Golden State Warriors 122-101 to in Game 6 on Friday to advance to the Western Conference Finals. The number seven-seeded 
Lakers would go on the road to play the West's top seed, the Denver, the Denver Nuggets. In game one on Tuesday, the Lakers started the season two and ten, two to ten on the on the first year coach Darvin Ham and completely overhauled the roster midway through the year thanks to a flurry of trades by vice president and yeah, vice president of of basketball operations and general manager Rob Polinka. They became just the fourth team in NBA history to be that many games below 500 and reached the conference finals since conferences were instated in the 1970-71 season. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, shit. According to um, Alias Sports Bureau. Bureau. I felt like if we if we ever had an opportunity to upgrade our roster and put some more balance around myself and Anthony Davis, I felt like we could make a run, LeBron James said, looking back at the Los Angeles Rocky start. Their run continued Friday with a vintage performance from James. Um, James had 30 points on 10 for four shooting. No, 10 for 14, um, nine rebounds and nine assists as he snapped a personal streak of 18 straight playoff games, scoring under 30 points. With Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the man James passed as the league's all-time leading scorer in February, sitting in the second row at Crypto.com Arena, which is a dumb name for uh, an arena. Um, James joined Abdul Jabbar as the only other player, age 38 or older, to put up at least 30 points, five rebounds, and five assists in a playoff game. I just wanted to come in and make some plays and be efficient and defend at a high level and help Davis rebound, James said, help our team make winning plays. And I was able to make a few of them. As the Lakers have done all postseason, Friday night was a strong performance coming on the heels of a disappointing loss. The Lakers jumped to a 27-10 lead with Hams's, um starting lineup shift. <clears throat> Hams' starting, line, starting lineup shift, Dennis Schroeder, replacing Jared Vanderbilt, sparking the, deep, the offense, Jolt Davis, who left game five early after taking an an advertent shot to the side of the head was locked in from the start with nine of his 17 points and 10 of his 20 rebounds coming in the opening frame. But the Warriors behind 
reigning finals MVP Stephen Curry cut it to five by the start of the second quarter. Curry scored 12 of his game high 32 points in the opening frame while his team struggled to find its rhythm against the Lakers defense three for 14 from from three. Um, the Lakers doubled the lead to to 10 by halftime 56 to 46 with Austin Reeves half court heave falling through the net to beat the second quarter buzzer Reeves would finish with 23 points six assists and five rebounds one of five Lakers in double figures it felt good Reeves said of his 54 foot make two and a half You don't make many of those, but it did feel good when I shot it. Los Angeles kept up the pressure to start the third and quickly pushed its cushion to 19 with 7.35 remaining in the quarter, the Lakers' largest lead yet. Schroeder picked up his second technical foul and was ejected after a confrontation with Draymond Green, opening the floor for more than for more playing time for game four star Lonnie Walker, the fourth, um, who scored eight of his 13 points in the third. Los Angeles took a 14-point lead into the fourth quarter, and the Warriors cut cut it to 11 before the Lakers responded with an 11-to-zip run to double their edge. Ham emptied the empty his bench in the final minutes as the Lakers crowd got to celebrate the 42nd conference finals birth in team history. The Lakers are the second number one, excuse, excuse me, second number seven seed to reach the conference finals since seeding began in 1984, joining the 1987 Seattle Supersonics. A challenging year to say the least, but at the end of the day, we kept powering through. Alvar stayed positive once we've righted the ship and switched out some pieces. We came together, and I'm just happy and thankful that I get to sit in this seat and enjoy the ride, Ham said. The Lakers are 7-0 seven, seven and oh at home this postseason, counting the play and tournament. They snapped the Warriors' streak of 28 straight off no excuse me 28 straight playoff series with at least one road to at least one road win it will be james 12th conference finals appearance his team are 10 and 1 um his only loss coming with the cleveland cavaliers in 2009 when they lost to to the orlando magic in six games the win secured James his 41st postseason series with postseries win of his 20-year career, breaking a tie with Derek Fisher for the most all-time. Los Angeles leaders sound like they aren't done yet either. Asked if 
he felt like the Lakers were now playing with house house money, making it this far after such a difficult beginning. James balked at the idea. We're trying to win every hand, James said. Davis sitting next to James as he has all postseasons doubled down. That's that's y'all expectation, Davis said. Our expectations inside the team are way higher than showing up to the Western Conference Finals. <clears throat> okay. All right. Um. Okay. Before I get into anything baseball related, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Um. Matt Ish, Matt Ishbia. Oh. <clears throat> okay. All right, so the Denver Nuggets won the NBA Finals Monday night, making it the first title in the team's 47-year 47, 47 NBA history. The Nuggets defeated the Miami Heat by a score of 94-89, to 89, winning um, the best-of-seven series in five games. Nuggets center um, Nikola Jokic – no, you – Nikola Jokic, um, a 27-year-old from Serbia, no, excuse me, Serbia, um, led the team with 28 points and 16 rebounds and was named the NBA Finals Most Valuable Player. <clears throat> it was an amazing effort by the team, um, Jokic said, moments after the game ended. If it was an ugly game, we couldn't make shots, but at the time, but at the end, we figured out how to defend. That's why we won the game. Denver fans took to the streets and social media to celebrate the historic win. Local news footage of downtown Denver showed hordes of fans gathered, cheering, climbing light posts, and setting off fireworks. I really never thought I'd see the Denver Nuggets win a championship ever. A fan tweeted, but we picked a 19-year-old year old center from Serbia with the 41st pick, and he just led us to a championship. Fans of other NBA teams celebrated Denver Nugget, Denver's first title as well. Fans of the fans of teams with multiple championships don't understand what it's like as a fan to see this statistic go from zero to one for your favorite team. A Dallas Mavericks fan tweeted, "Congrats, Denver fans! Enjoy it to the fullest. Let let it bring you happiness." Um. Wow. 
Congratulations to Denver. A Heat fan said, I swear I'd be rooting for y'all if it wasn't my team playing on the other side. I'm so happy for Jokic. I'm so happy for the fans. This is y'all first championship ever. Couldn't think of anyone who deserved it more than Miami. Nuggets head coach Michael Malone referenced Miami Heat president and former coach Pat Riley after the win, saying he kept a quote from him on the wall about the evolution in in this game and how you go from a nobody to an upstart and an upstart to be a winner and a winner to a contender and a contender to a championship and the last step after a champion is to be a dynasty so we're not satisfied we accomplished something this franchise has never done before but we have a lot of young talented players in that locker room and i think we just showed through 16 playoff wins what we're capable of on the biggest stage in the world malone said all right um let me see let me see um um okay where was i Hold on one second, folks.
Sorry about that. Um, all right, so <clears throat> so this is coming from the people from um Sports Illustrated. Um <clears throat> A heated game four between the Nuggets and Suns was unexpectedly interrupted on Sunday by a bizarre sideline interaction between Nikola Jovic, no Nikola Jokic, and Phoenix Sun Phoenix owner Matt Ishba, Ishbia led that led to discipline for the Denver Star Center. The incident occurred after Joe Kick tried to secure a rebound after blocking DeAndre um, Ayton's layup with Denver up 56-55 at the 2.36 mark of the second quarter. Joe Kick and Suns guard Josh um, Ogji attempted to coral the ball before it tumbled out of bounds and into the hands of what happened to be a fan in the in the front row. As it turns out, that fan was none other than um, Ishbia, who briefly ended up face to face with Joe Kick at before the Serbian um, Serbian big man tried to rip the ball away. A confused Joe Kick then looked around before appearing to nudge. Ishbia away from away from his forearm as he and a few other spectators reacted to the moment.
the wild scene became more even more dramatic when the sun's owner delivered an apparent flop from joe kicks push while the crowd showered the two-time mvp with booze after a brief stoppage to review the altercation the officiating crew pen- penalized joe kick with an unsportsman unsportsmanlike technical foul resulting in a technical free throw by sun's star kevin durant to tie the game moments at, moments later one of the spectators seated near isbia was ejected from the game and escorted out by security The Nuggets would get the ball. Um, the Nuggets would get the ball back after the skirmish, skirmish, and finish the half, trailing sixty-three to sixty-one. With the tension appearing to be nearing a fever pitch, the second half of Sunday's Game Four could feature some explosive action as the Nuggets hoped to secure a three-one series lead over the Suns. All right. Um, let's see. Let's see what else we got to talk about here. Yes, I will get to Aaron Rodgers and then I'll then I'll go to um the 49ers and the Chiefs going to the championship for Super Bowl 58 next. So let's see. Um, let's see. Let's see. Here's Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Hold on a second. Okay, Jets activating um Aaron Rodgers. And yes, so um, so injured quarterback Aaron Rodgers will not play again this season. Um, the New York, the New York Jets confirmed Wednesday, but he will continue to practice with Rodgers' 20, 21 day practice window due to close. The Jets decided to activate Rodgers to the fifty three man roster for the final three games. It's a victory of sorts for Rogers, who had attempted to return from Achilles Achilles surgery faster than any player in NFL history. Symbolically, this will allow him to be part of the team, but it's also unusual because he is taking up a roster spot. Coach Robert um, Saleh, made it clear there is no chance of Rodgers getting into the game. No, no, no. He's not playing, Soleil said. Soleil said the Jets um, um, out of the playoffs contention have enough roster flexibility to make his move, make this move. It means they have four quarterbacks on their 53-man roster, Roger, Rodgers, Zach Wilson, Trevor um, Simeon, and Brett um, Ripien. 
Wilson injured in Sunday's 30 to zip loss to the Miami Dolphins. Damn. <laughs> oh shit. Oh man. Remains in the in the concussion. Hold on. Wilson injured in Sunday's 30th zip loss to the Miami Dolphins remains in the contention protocol, but there, <laughs> there is still a chance he could play Sunday against the Washington Commanders, Soleil said. Rodgers, age 40, has practiced six times over the past three weeks, impressing teammates and coaches with his rapid recovery from September 13th surgery. It was always considered a long shot that he would make it back for a game if the team didn't activate him leaving him on injured on injured reserve reserved rogers wouldn't have been permitted to practice it's all about it's all part of his rehab and just having him out on the football field is a plus for everybody so they said it's a plus for him it's a plus for his teammates, and so we're going to keep him up for practice. Rodgers had been targeting Sunday's game as a potential return, but he announced Tuesday on the Pat McAfee show that he was done for the season. He acknowledged that his left Achilles still wasn't 100% and that it probably wouldn't be fully healed for another three weeks. He said he would have pushed to play if the Jets were still alive for the postseason, but they were mathematically eliminated eliminated Sunday. Damn. There's always a fear about re-rupture if you are going too fast, Rogers said Tuesday. But this allows me to, I'm not going to slow my rehab down. I'm going to keep attacking it every single day but now without a timetable to come back obviously we can be as smart as we need to be rogers team officials and doctors his personal doctor and team doctors discussed his status tuesday Soleil declined to comment on whether rogers was denied medical clearance to play he said it was rogers decision My instinct says if he was 100%, he'd probably be banging the door a little bit more, Soleil said. But like he said, he's a couple of weeks away, and so there's always weighing the, the risk. Rodgers tore his Achilles on the fourth play of week one, sending the Jets into a tailspin. A season that began with Super Bowl dreams will end out of the playoffs for the 13th straight year, the longest active drought among the four major U.S. men's sports leagues. Simeon could be the fourth quarterback to start for the Jets this season, although Soleil refused to rule out Wilson, who took several hits against the Dolphins and was removed in the second quarter.
We'll see, Celeste said. Everything is improved, so I'm not closing the door on that. Wilson's mother, Lisa Wilson, shared details about the concussion on social media. She said her son left the game when he started having problems with blurred vision and his deaf perception. She said he had been experiencing symptoms throughout the game because of some really, really big hits, but didn't didn't inform anyone on the on the sidelines because he wanted to keep playing. He was evaluated and cleared early in the game by a neurologist, according to the CBS telecast. Soleil said Wilson ultimately was removed by the independent neurologist at the game. Sometimes we don't always catch it, catch it right. And that's why we have the NFL spotters to spot things up top and all that stuff, Soleil said. But players do not want to come off the field, too, and you always encourage them to communicate. Credit to Zach. He will fight, Soleil said. No, Soleil added. That's one thing I'll say about that young man is he's always gotten up. No matter how many hits he he's taken, how many times he's running for his life, he's always come back to the huddle. And so I have a great appreciation for him but at the same time thank goodness that it was spotted up top and we were able to get him the care he needs all right all right um of course obviously next sunday is um super bowl 58 and this is pertaining to um the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. So we're going to get to it right here before we go into some baseball news. Um All right. So um oh boy. All right. So um All right. For those of you who may not know, or probably already know about this, want to know when Super Bowl 58 is going to be and how you would catch it. Okay, so there's some key points here. So um, this is from Yahoo Sports. The Chiefs beat the Ravens 17-10 to go on to their fourth Super Bowl in five years. The San Francisco 49ers made a massive comeback against the Detroit Lions, and now Super Bowl 58 finally set. This year's Super Bowl will be a rematch of the 2020 Super Bowl. The Chiefs and the 49ers will face off in the 2024 NFL Championship game on Sunday, February 11, 2024, which is next Sunday. Mark your calendars. Are you ready for game day? Super Bowl ads favor the 49ers over the Chiefs heading into this year's championship match the 2024 super bowl will be held in las vegas nevada airing on cbs and streaming live on paramount plus from allegiant allegiant stadium the 2024 apple music super bowl um 58 halftime show will be headlined by usher which i covered on my other podcast already um are you ready for the big game here's everything you need to know the the 2024 Super Bowl, including when, where, and how to watch the championship game. All right, first things first: how to watch how to watch the Super Bowl in 2024. 
Of course, obviously Paramount Plus. Um, and the time it starts at six thirty p.m. Eastern, three thirty p.m. Pacific time, and the location is Allegiant Stadium. The TV channel is going to be on CBS. If you are in the East Coast, like New York, like New York, um, New Jersey, and Connecticut, which is the tri-state area, um. I'm pretty sure you have CBS, and if you live in different states, check your local listings. Now, streaming is the streaming platform is Paramount Plus, and mobile is NFL Plus. When is the Super Bowl? You ask. the The 2024 Super Bowl will take place on Sunday, February 11th. Marking calendars. What time is the Super Bowl? You ask. This Sunday's NFL championship championship game will kick off around. Around what? Uh, yeah, six. What is it? Six thirty or six o'clock? Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Yeah, six thirty. Six thirty. Six thirty. Six thirty p.m. Eastern. Three thirty p.m. Um, Pacific time. Yeah, Eastern time. That's what East. That's what ET stands for. Eastern time. What channel is the 2024 Super Bowl on? So the Super Bowl 58 will air on CBS this year and stream live on Paramount+. Plus. There will also be another unique way to tune into the 2024 Super Bowl in a slime-centric alternative telecast on Nickelodeon. Where to stream Super Bowl 58? You got Paramount+. Plus. Um, it has two tiers available, a 6 a six dollar per month. Yes, yeah, a six dollar per month ad supported tier and a twelve dollar premium tier that's ad free and includes show showtime and live access to your local CBS channel. In addition to NFL games on CBS. Paramount Plus offers a host of other live sports, hit shows, and new new and classic movies. Unlike a lot of other streaming services these days, Paramount Plus still offers a one-week free trial so new subscribers can sign up to watch this week's NFL games on CBS and check out the rest of the Paramount Plus library totally free for seven days. Um... Yeah, and it's like $5.99 per month at Paramount Plus. Um, Can I watch the 2024 Super Bowl for free? If you don't want to add another subscription to your list just, just to watch the Super Bowl this year, you might want to try getting an old-school TV antenna. Um, That's not going to happen. <laughs> just like... <laughs> oh, shit. Um, just like vintage rabbit ears, a modern day TV antenna should be able to pick up your local channels like CBS, NBC, and Fox, depending on where you live. Now, most people have spectrum like myself. So if you have any cable or satellite or whatever, y'all should have like CBS, um, NBC, Fox, or any other local channels whatsoever that comes with it. All right. And 
All right, so this antenna that um that somebody's talking about is called the Channel Master Flat. The Channel Master Flatenna ultra thin indoor TV antenna, thirty five mile range, dual side, black or white. Yes, um, somebody was talking about in this topic right here in this in this article right here. Um, it is called the Channel Master Flatenna Ultra Thin Indoor TV Antenna, thirty five mile range, dual sided, black or white. CM four zero zero one HD BW. You can watch football on local channels like CBS, NBC, and Fox, and it's twenty nine dollars at amazon what channel is cbs on near me not sure how to find cbs in, in your area click out no check out this guide to cbs's local affiliated affiliate channels um how to watch the super bowl on nickelodeon nickelodeon is included in many live tv live tv streaming packages including fubo yeah, Fubo, Fubo, um, Hulu's live TV tier, direct TV stream, and YouTube TV. if you don't already subscribe to one of those here's how we recommend you get nickelodeon all right so um so so this is uh philo um you can watch nickelodeon on philo um it's uh it's no charge for seven days at philo how can i watch the super bowl on my phone or mobile devices there are a few options on mobile viewing from your iphone and ipad or android devices You can stream Super Bowl 58 from your phone with an NFL Plus account for $7 per month. Or, or, or you can, or you have an existing cable TV subscription, download the CBS Sports Mobile app, and you'll be prompted to sign in using your cable account. Additionally, Fubu. Fubo TV, Sling TV, YouTube TV, and Hulu all have mobile apps. All right, so who is performing at the Super Bowl halftime show? You ask. The 2024 2024 Super Bowl halftime show will be will be performed by Usher. The pop star is in the midst of his residence show in Las Vegas, Nevada. 
just a short drive from Allegiant Stadium. The day before the Super Bowl, Usher will also release a new album called Coming Home. Who is performing the national anthem at the 2024 Super Bowl? Country music star Reba McIntyre will sing the national anthem at Super Bowl 58. Rapper Post Malone will provide his rendition of America the Beautiful and R&B artist Andra Day will perform Lift Every Voice and sing at the 2024 championship game. And, of course, um, you want to know how much are Super Bowl 58 tickets. As of time of publication, tickets for Super Bowl 58 start at – you're not going to believe what the amount is. You're not going to believe what the amount is, folks. Listen to this. It's going to cost you 8370 on Ticketmaster. Can you believe this shit? Can you believe this shit? That's crazy, man. That's crazy. That's crazy and unheard of. That's crazy and unheard of, folks. I'm pretty sure mad people want to um watch the Super Bowl at their crib. Instead of wasting thousands thousands of dollars on fancy seats, yeah, you don't want to do that. That would be that would be crazy, man. Yeah, um all right, so okay, so we go to predictions between the Chiefs and 49ers. And of course, this is according to CBS Sports. Let's get into the predictions. So, after two weeks of buildup and anticipation, Super Bowl 58 will arrive on Sunday, February 11th in Las Vegas. Mark your calendars, folks. The NFL will crown a champion at Allegiant Stadium and the San Francisco 49ers and Kansas City Chiefs battling for history. San Francisco operated as the best team in the NFC this season, knocking off the Green Bay Packers and Detroit Lions to reach the Super Bowl for the eighth time in franchise history. Kansas City won three playoff games, including two road wins, to reach the Super Bowl for the fourth time in a five-year span. The, the Chiefs the Chiefs are also seeking back-to-back titles with the 49ers looking to break a two-decade drought without a Lombardi trophy. Kickoff is at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Eastern Time in Las Vegas on CBS and Paramount+. Plus. San Francisco is a two-point favorite, while the over, under, or total number of points Vegas thinks will be scored is 47.5 in the latest Chiefs versus 49ers odds. Before locking in any 49ers versus Chiefs pick, make sure you see the latest NFL predictions from Sportsline's proven projection model. So the model, which simulates every NFL game 10,000 times, 
is up well over seven thousand dollars for one hundred dollar one hundred dollar players on top rated nfl picks since its inception the model enters the 2024 nfl super bowl on an incredible 184 129 run on top rated nfl picks that dates back to this 27 2017 season Ooh, wow 2017 season man wow that's a lot that's a lot though um Hold on. Hold on one second. Okay. All right. <clears throat> okay. Um. It also is on a 38-21 roll on top rated picks since week seven of last season and nailed seven straight top picks no top rated picks entering the 2024 nfl playoffs wow <clears throat> the model ranked in the top 10 of nfl pick watch four of the past six years on straight up nfl picks and beat more than 94% of CBS Sports football pick em players four times during that span. Anyone who has followed it up, anyone who has followed it is way up. Now the model has set its sights on Niners versus Chiefs in Super Bowl 58. All right, so the model, the model ranked in the top 10 on NFL Pick Watch 4 of the past six years on straight up NFL picks and beat more than 94% of CBS Sports football pick em players four times during that span. Anyone who has followed it is way up. Now, the model has set its sights on Niner, on Niners versus Chiefs in Super Bowl 58. You can visit Excuse me. You can visit Sportsline now to see the picks. Here are the NFL odds and trends for Chiefs versus Niners. Um, <clears throat> Chiefs versus 49ers spread. 49ers two. Um, wait, 49ers negative two. Damn. Um, 
Chiefs versus 49ers over under 47.5 points. Chiefs versus 49ers money line, 49ers negative 129. Chiefs um 109. 49ers are 9-10 and against the spread the spread this season. Um the Chiefs are 12 7 1 against the spread this season. Chiefs versus 49ers picks C picks at sports line. Chiefs versus 49ers stream Paramount Plus. Um, you can try free for seven days. Um, why the 49ers can cover San Francisco outscored opponents by 10.9 points per game during the regular season and has the best running back in the NFL. Christian McCaffrey led the league with 2,023 yards from scrimmage this season and has 14 games with at least 100 yards. McCaffrey also led the NFL with four, excuse me, 1,459 rushing yards, beating the number two player in the league by more than 250 yards. McCaffrey is hyper-efficient, leading running backs with 5.4 yards per carry. The league, excuse me, led and led the league with 21 total touchdowns during the regular season. He is the first player to generate at least 25 touchdowns, including the playoffs since 2006. Um, Yeah, 2006, and has scored a touchdown in five consecutive playoff games. Um, in his postseason career, McCaffrey is averaging 112.7 yards from scrimmage per game with eight touchdowns in six outings. He has 260 yards from scrimmage and four touchdowns in the 2024 NFL playoffs. McCaffrey is a clear fulcrum for an offense that puts up 34 points and 413 total yards in the NFC championship game. San Francisco, San Francisco also finished in the top three of the NFL in points per game, points per drive, scoring percentage, yards per day, no, excuse me, yards per play, total yards per game, yards per drive, and red zone efficiency this season. Um, see which team to pick here. Um, why did why the Chiefs can cover the 49ers are allowing 26.0 points per game in the postseason, and opponents are generating 159.0 rushing yards per game against San Francisco. That is the most rushing yards allowed per game by a team reaching the Super Bowl since 1966. And 49ers are yield, yielding 5.6 yards per carry in the last five games combined. And on the other side, Kansas City is dominating the, on defense. The Chiefs held the Baltimore Ravens, Baltimore Ravens to 10 points in the AFC Championship game. The Ravens also entered that matchup with the NFL's number one rushing offense before producing only 81 yards on the ground and committing three turnovers. Damn. Kansas City. <laughs> Damn. Kansas City is a <laughs> Kansas City is allowing 
only 13.7 points per game in the three playoff matchups and given up only 322.0 total yards per game, 5.0 yards per play, and a 30% third down con- conversion rate. The Chiefs were also um, stout on defense during the regular season, only allowing only 17.3 per 17.3 points per game and 1.50 per excuse me 1.50 points per drive. You can see you can see which team to pick here in the link. Um, how to make Chiefs versus 49ers picks. Sports lines model is leaning under the total, calling for 45 combined points. The, the, models, the model always says one side of the spread has all the value. You can only see the model's picks at sports line. So who wins? Who wins? So who wins? 49ers versus Chiefs in Super Bowl 58, and which side of the spread has all the value. Visit Sportsline now to see which side of the 49ers versus Chiefs spread to pick in the 2024 Super Bowl, all from the advanced model that is up well over $7,000 on its top-rated NFL picks and find out. Okay, now on to a Yogi Berra documentary. 
Okay. And this is coming from the people from Deadline. You can observe a lot by watching, although attributed to the late Major League Baseball Hall of Famer, Whit Pitchman Lawrence Peter um, Yogi Berra. One could imagine Albert um, Maisel's Frederick Wiseman or other leagues of the observational of Verete. Yeah, Verete Strand of documentary posting this as a driving theme of a keynote address. Such is the understated prowess of this often misunderstood cultural icon whose considerable achievements both on and off the field warrant a worthy documentary profile. And to filmmaker Sean Mullen, whose canon has consisted primarily of fiction features, back in 2018, his producer Peter Soboloff was impressed with RBG about Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Won't You Be My Neighbor about television icon Fred Rogers. And he suggested, suggested that Mullen consider Yogi Berra as a protagonist. Sobolov, Sobolov, um, then introduced Mullen to the Barra family, the Barra, the Barra family. Um, I'd done my research by the time I met with them, says Mullen, and my pitch was essentially that this guy was criminally overlooked his whole life at every stage, from childhood onwards. He was never taken seriously, but he was someone to be taken seriously. Despite three MVP awards and 10 World Series rings to underscore his Hall of Fame bona, f- bona fides, pundits um, would, would hone in on Barrett's goofy mien and squatty stature as 
counts against their preconceived image of what a ball player ought to be. And this continued well past retirement. The 2015 All-Star Game included a tribute to the greatest living players of all time. And Berra was not included. Lindsey Berra, Yogi's oldest um, grandchild, was watching the game with her grandfather, and that snub crystallized her mission to maintain the family's flame and um, promulgate Yogi's story, which in turn earned her the honor of narrating the film. She is also executive producer. She said, in quote, my initial goal was not to have Lindsay narrate the film. Actually, no. In quote, my initial goal was not to have Lindsay narrate the film, Mullen admits. But then he saw the value of her impassioned advocacy. I turned to my producers and said, Lindsay is our narrator. This is our way in. She's the perfect torchbearer for this legacy and the perfect person perfect person to shine a light on this discrepancy between perception and reality. It ain't over. It ain't over. Opens with that all-star game, like all-star game slight of Yogi and Lindsay, voicing her disappointment. That de facto prologue sets the tone for the purpose of the film to amplify and celebrate Yogi Berra's legacy in a full, full-bodied way, as an athlete, as a sage, as a man. And it established the collaborative dynamic between Lindsay and Mullen. The collaboration was great for me from a craft standpoint, says Mullen. I come from the narrative feature world, so I write an awful lot. In working with Lindsay, I didn't necessarily want to put words in her mouth. I wanted to make sure everything that was said was something that she really said. We already had two or three interviews with her, so we were already able to pick out some of our interview bits to pepper the rest of the narrative. With Mullen and Barra on opposite coasts, 
during the slamdemic, they collaborated on the narration via FaceTime and podcast mics. I'd never done voice over work before, Barra admits. To do it under such bizarre circumstances, it was difficult. I thank Sean for his patience. If I didn't like something, he was like, okay, cool. How would you say it? It was, it was a really good experience. Mullen came to the project not only from feature filmmaking, It Ain't Over, is actually his second documentary, but also from stand stand-up comedy and before that the military as a west point grad the leadership qualities i got at west point actually really helped moment explains With documentary, the crews are smaller. You have to be nimble. Things are going to go wrong. There's a lot of travel. You have to keep people motivated and keep the moral high. The similarities between the military and filmmaking are much more than most people think. With stand-up comedy, he continues, people have a hard time being both funny and good. You're, you are either the joker or you are the king but yogi was both people are very uncomfortable with allowing people to be funny and good being the funny guy at west point was definitely a strange con contradiction to a lot of people so i think you'll have a tough time labeling people that have such this um desperate um qualities to their character Lindsay came to the project as a veteran print and online journalist of two decades, having written for MLB.com and ESPN magazine, among other outlets. Even though she was new to document to the documentary, I consider it a major life objective to keep my grandfather's legacy alive. I thought that making a movie was a great way to do it. When I first started talking to Sean after my grandfather passed away, in 2015, I had written a ton, and I just started collecting all the things I had written and all the Google documents I had made made of stats and started throwing them at Sean. My journalism brain just went into who are these interviews? How do we get them? How do we set them up? And how do we do it as soon as possible? I tried to be logistically helpful and then stay out of Sean's way. But I also think that as a magazine, as a magazine writer, 
I'm a storyteller too. And I had things that I wanted to, to get across. I spent years thinking about my grandpa in certain settings and crafting stories in other settings. So I had arcs that I wanted to push that thankfully Sean was open to. Um, One little known chapter in Yogi Berra's narrative that Mullen and Lindsay bring to life in the film is his service in the Navy in World War II and particularly his participation in the D-Day invasion at Utah Beach in Normandy. Mullen, who, who as a captain in the National Guard, oversaw a contingent of Army first responders at Ground Zero after the September 11th um, attacks on the World Trade Center, felt a, vis a visceral connection to Yogi's tour of duty. Um. That was very important to me, he explains. I'm not trying to compare my experience to Normandy by any means. I did have a lot of personal ties to the story that I think really helped. And obviously, Lindsay's personal attachment to the story elevated the, the ultimate product. I keep getting messages from folks, especially since the documentary is on Netflix, who say they've been lifelong Yankee fans but had no idea that my grandfather was in the service, Lindsay shares. And when you know that about Yogi Berra, it puts his career into a much different perspective. They talk about him as one of the best clutch hitters in the history of the game. But he would tell you that the bases loaded, two outs, bottom of the ninth, is nothing but opportunity. Um... That's not pressure to guide him through a real life or death situation. That really just lends another death to my grandfather that folks clearly didn't know about. Um, as a child of Italian immigrants and as one whose career paralleled the civil rights movement, Yogi Berra epitomized empathy and grace befriending Jackie Robinson, Larry Doby, and Monte Irvin before and after their playing days and advocating for LGBTQ plus equality in his life, no, excuse me, in his twilight years. It wasn't something that he talked about, Lindsay admits. He always did the right thing without really having to think about it. It's a real gift, but it also goes back to World War II. He didn't go overseas to literally risk his life for the freedoms of a, a bunch of French people and then come home and watch those same freedoms and liberties denied to his fellow Americans. So I just think that he treated people the way he would want to be treated. So it ain't over. The, the Yogi Berra documentary it was distributed theatrically by Sony Pictures Classics. It's currently streaming on Netflix, Amazon Prime, Apple TV, Google Play, and YouTube. Check it out for yourselves, man. You probably learned more about Yogi Berra that you probably didn't know about.
All right. So there you have it right there. all right um all right so let's go over how the 2023 season was a disaster so this is from um uh, sports illustrated so coming off one-on-one wins and carrying the highest payroll in baseball the mets 52 to 62 mets um qualified to the biggest bus in baseball 
you could have spelled out all different scenarios to me when the season began. Says one met contend, win it all, come up with a little short, but this being out of it with two months to go, no way, no way that was possible. The fall of the Mets is so great it could end up being one of the biggest collapses of a 100-win team in the game's history. According to the uh, the Elias Sports Bureau, only three teams posted a losing record in a full season after winning 100 games. All right, so. All right, so three teams posted losing records in short, shortened seasons after winning 100. The 1918 White Sox, 94 Giants, and 2020 Astros. New York must finish at least 29 to 19 to avoid a losing record and joining the ignorable list when when great teams go bad. 1932 Cardinals, 72-82, 29 wins from previous seasons. Why they felt why they fell bad trades. The defense of their World Series title went horribly wrong. St. Louis finished tied for Sixth in the 18, 18 league, eighteen games behind the first place Cubs. Um, in the waning moments of the season, um, owner Sam Breeden not only gave a pass to general manager Branch Ricky, Ricky, but also gave him a contract extension. Breeden said, "While some people might." point to Ricky's trades of Burley Grimes, Chick Haffey, and Flint Rem as the reason for the Cardinals backsliding. He dismissed that notion and instead said injuries to all of our regular players simply wrecked our club. All right. Um, that's crazy, man. This is crazy. This is crazy. All right, Ricky, perhaps operating under budget constraints, fared poorly in his deals. First, he traded Grimes, a 17-game winner and future Hall of Fame pitcher, to the Cubs for Hack Wilson who was coming off a down season after his 191 RBI monster year in 1930. Ricky then offered Wilson a 77% pay cut from $33,000 to $7,500. Wilson was willing to willing to accept a 50% pay cut. 
Damn. Damn. A pay cut. I would not be happy about that. I'll tell you that much. That's that's terrible, man. That's a ter that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's really, really nah, man. I couldn't do that. Not in my lifetime, though. Not in my lifetime. I couldn't do that. All right, um, a pay cut, man, that's crazy. Um, uh, but Ricky held, yeah, 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 but Ricky held firm. He then flipped Wilson to the Dodgers for Bob Barham, a minor leaguer who never played in the majors. Haffey was the Cardinals' longtime left fielder who led the world champion 1931 Cardinals in home runs and RBIs. Haffey held out in a contract dispute for a second straight year. In 31, he signed for $12,500 but had to pay $2,000 in fines for the holdout. Ricky first offered him the same salary in 32, then tossed in a $500 raise and held firm. Haffey refused to sign, so Ricky traded him to Cincinnati for pitcher Benny Frey, utility player Harvey Hendrick, and Cash. Just one month later, Ricky sold Frey back to the Reds. In June, Ricky sold Rem, a starting pitcher, to the Boston Braves. In some, Ricky traded two starting pitchers and his leading bat off a World Series team and a virtually nothing to show for it. But yeah, sure, blame it on injuries. Ricky was, however, building his famous minor league system. The Cardinals would win the World Series again two years later. 1971, Reds. Nineteen seventy one Reds seventy nine to eighty three twenty three wins. Why they fell off? Why they why they fell down years for players in their prime? One September day at Dodger Stadium in nineteen seventy one, Reds pitcher Lynn McGothan was trying to pitch through a jam when the game was stopped by umpire Billy Williams because of a live chicken in right field. 
just as everyone paid attention to the chicken, a 10-pound sack of flour fell from the sky and exploded near Cincinnati shortstop Woody Woodward. Um, the sack apparently had been tossed from an airplane that nobody saw. I don't drink much beer, said a shaken Woodward, but I'm I'm going to have me a couple tonight, said McLaughlin. I'm surprised the flower didn't hit me in the head. That's the way I'm going. The Reds lost the game 2-1 and loose chickens and flying sacks of flower hinted at the weird, the weirdness of the year. The big red machine had arrived in 1970. Uh, the Reds won 102 games and the NL pennant with no pitcher and starting player older than 29. Player in their 20s accounted for 96.5% of the team's plate appearances. But many other uh many other many of their young stars had down years in 1971, including Tony Perez, Johnny Bench, and Dave Concepcion. Center fielder Bobby Tolan missed the season after tearing his Achilles playing pickup pickup basketball. Um, pitcher Jim Merritt, whose elbow hurt so much he could not throw a fastball, sunk from 20, 2012 to 1-11. Um, the 1971 Reds started 20-32, and 32, falling 16th and a half games out of out after just 52 games they were never in the in the race they did return to the world series next the next year and won it three years after that cardinals 19 1986 cardinals 79 82 22 wins why they fell bad karma you know the story don denking denkinger missed a call at first base in game six of the 1985 World Series and the Cardinals collapsed, getting outscored 13 to zip by Kansas City in the final 10 innings. Starting pitcher Joaquin um, Andujar suspended 10 games for bumping Den Kinger in ugly game seven, was traded to Oakland. Um, okay, where were we? Yeah, the Cardinals did start 1986 7 and 1, but went 9 and 26 in their next 35 games and got steamrolled by the Mets. <laughs> oh, shit, that's that's crazy and fucked up at the same time. <laughs> oh, shit, <laughs> hold on.
they were cooked. <laughs> As they say, your goose is cooked. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, even before the first baseman, Jack Clark, tore thumb ligaments June 26th. Um, after leading the league in runs in 1985, the Cardinals were last in runs, hits, and homers in 86, like the 71 Reds. They returned to the World Series the year after they stumbled, part of a seven-year stretch in which St. Louis weirdly alternated winning and losing seasons. Losing seasons. 2023 Mets projected 74, actually 75 and 88 and 27 wins. Why they fell, their offense broke as the Mets bet on age. The Mets returned eight regulars from a 101 win team, six of six of them 30 and older. And all of them are having worse years. Jeff McNeil, um, negative 63 OPS. Stalin Marte, negative 58. Daniel Vogelback, negative um, 51. Mark Canna, negative 21. Brendan Nimmo, negative 17. Eduardo Escobar, negative 16. Peter Alonzo, negative 15. And Francisco Lindor, negative 5. When the Mets tried to inject some youth, third baseman Brett Beatty flopped, although catcher Francisco Alvarez showed impressive power. New York won last year with a diversified offense that relied on batting average. The hits simply stopped coming, especially for McNeil, the 2022 batting champion, and an example of how they won last year. His average against fastballs, has dropped from 317 to 249. Um, of course, here's the short version of how the offense broke from the most hits in the league of the fewest, even with more home runs. Now, this is gonna this is a chart right here saying Mets ranks. Um now batting average uh, one and 2023, 13 hits one. 2023, 15. OBP, 2022, 2022, 11. Runs per game, 2022, 3. 2023, 10. Um, RISP, 2022, 4. 2023, 10 in 2022, 10 in 2022, 8 and 2023, 5. The Mets bet on age on the mound, too. They have used nine pitches, 34 and older, and they have returned a 22-29 record. Owner Steve Cohen paid $88 million to get out from his Huge signings of starters, Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, who were good but not spectacular with not spectacular. So 15 and 9 with a 3.61 ERA. Defense didn't help either. A middle of the pack defensive team last year, 16th in defensive runs saved. The Mets have posted a, a def, DFS of negative 25 in 2023 which is the fifth worst 
in baseball. And if if it seems like New York has played most of its games from behind, you are not wrong. The Mets have been outscored 80 to 38 in the first inning, allowing the third most runs in the opening inning while scoring the fewest. Add it up and you get a historic fall. The good news for the Mets, the three previous records fall or falls all were anomalous seasons. All all three teams bounce back with winning seasons the next year, winning the potent dependent in that year or the next. Let me give a shout out to somebody in the chat who just viewed this. Let me see. Shout out to Abdul Malik. Um 1053. Appreciate you for watching this. Um appreciate you all right um let me see yeah there's been a rumor in the air in regards to Pete Alonzo again oh gosh when you put that shit like let's put this shit to rest man like seriously and this is from Sports Illustrated of course the New York Mets have a very difficult decision they need to make this offseason. Will the Mets be able to sign Pete Alonso to a contract extension this offseason? Will they trade him? Will they hold on to him in 2024 without an extension and either trade him ahead of the deadline or let him enter free agency and negotiable no negotiate then? It's a tricky situation to be in. Alonzo has developed into one of the best sluggers in baseball and will be paid like it with who paid like it with the, his next contract there have been a wide range of rumors about alonzo's future already this offseason um and it's clear they are showing no signs of slowing down although new president of baseball operations david stearns has stated he expects alonzo to be the team's opening day first baseman next season Many still think a trade is possible this offseason, including MLB.com's Mark um, Feinstein. Alonzo's status will be a big story throughout the offseason as the Mets decide whether to move the slugger as he approaches his final year before free agency, Feinstein said. Alonzo and the Mets will likely discuss a potential extension, but if the two sides are far apart in those conversations, New York could look to deal Alonzo rather than risk losing him for nothing more than a draft pick next winter.
Um, if the Mets were were to trade Alonzo this offseason, they likely would get a solid return, but it would be clear will be a clear sign that the club doesn't plan to compete in 2024. Um, New York has the most money in the league and should be able to find common ground on a contract. But at this point, anything could happen. Now, unless you hear from the person's mouth, of course, um, like I always say, when it comes to rumors in the rumor alerts in the air, um, consider this shit debunked. All right. Consider this shit debunked. All right. Um, before I go into Jet Williams, I, I want to explain something in regards to the whole luxury tax thing that I've been hearing about and stuff. So, um, let me just look this up because I think this is important to actually know from most of you, some of you Mets fans out there, of course, who probably don't have any patience and stuff. I understand. From what from what John Sapinaro was talking about, that you can't force them to be patient or whatever. But at the same time, like you're driving yourself crazy over over um Met players who who had you know bad games and shit. Like you can't like you're not gonna be able to get you're not gonna always get what you want though, man. I, let me get let me explain what the luxury tax is because um y'all y'all need to hear this. Okay, let me break this let me break this shit down in regards to what a luxury tax is before I go on to Jet Williams. Um, a luxury tax is a sales tax or surcharge levied only on certain products or services that are deemed non-essential or accessible only to the super wealthy. The luxury tax may be charged as a percentage of the purchase price or as a percentage of the almost excuse me the uh the the amount above a specified level so let me see let me see um in the usa um how much is luxury tax in the usa so 10 percent congress congress enacted a 10 percent luxury uh surcharge tax on well, yeah, that part too. But as far as baseball, um, but as far as baseball, let me just say this though. Um, I think what y'all need to understand is that you know Steve Cohen is still basically paying leftover money from Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer, so it's not as easy as it seems. So, so um. 
So basically, Major League Baseball has a luxury tax called the competitive balance tax. In place of a salary cap, the competitive balance tax regulates the total sum of money a given team can spend on their roster. Salary caps are common across professional sports leagues in the United States. Well, yeah, and um, yeah, and New York Mets hit the record MLB luxury tax of one hundred million dollars for disaster season. Um, New York, um, the New York Mets must pay a record luxury tax of nearly one hundred one million dollars after a fourth place finish in their division among an unprecedented eight teams that owe the penalty for the 2023 season. Yeah, um... Yeah, so that's basically. Let me see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there it is. That's what luxury tax is all about, though. Um, that's because of um Steve Cohen, and yeah, he and yeah, and sometimes, sometimes as a baseball owner, you're gonna have difficult. Let me just. Let me just put myself on screen so I could explain to y'all about this. Hold on. Hold on a minute before I do that. Uh, let me just say this though, man. As a baseball um um owner of the New York Mets by Steve Cohen, of course, you're gonna have difficult decisions to make as a businessman. And of course, and of course, for the most part, like I said before, um, you, you, the thing here's the thing: you're not gonna have your fancy names that people are familiar with versus the ones that's not famous. You know what I'm saying? And it's not even about, it's not even about that. Um, there was, um, a particular, um, a particular story that I actually heard about in regards to this case. And I, and I, and I kind of, I kind of looked at it like this, man, from a business standpoint, like, Look, look, like I always say, you're not going to be able to make everybody happy, whether you are owner of the New York Mets or whatever. You're not going to make every fan happy. You're not going to be able to make everybody happy. You know what I'm saying? Like, at the end of the day, you're a human being who's doing his best. At the same time, at the same time, look, you're not going to – you didn't really get into um, getting Yamamoto. 
Yoshinomo Yamamoto, right? Yeah, you did your best to go to um Japan to actually um to actually um talk to y Yamamoto, right? It was him and David Stearns. So, but because they didn't get him or whatever, you know, it actually feels like a relief. It's a relief. You feel what I'm saying? And, you know, you're not going to, like I said, man, like you're not going to be able to get every, I look at this like this, this offseason like this, though. I look at it as a recruitment process. Like, you, it's not about the fancy names. It's about whether whether some of the players have depth and whether they have, like, you know, you know, excellent speed, excellent um, throwing arms, like a Harrison Bader. Because one of the YouTubers was talking about how Brandon Nimmo has a weak arm. And, and you know, I was trying to ask somebody, is having a throwing arm, an accurate throwing arm at center field, is, does it count as depth? To me, it does count as depth. That's depth right there because, because of the defense and offense. You know what I'm saying? And before I keep going to Jet Williams, I want to actually say, as as far as Steve Cohen is concerned, look, like I said, you're not going to always make every Met fan happy. Fancy names don't mean shit. You know what I'm saying? Like you gotta have depth, you gotta have development, you have to, you have to have all that shit Im implemented to these new players that you that you uh, made transactions with. You know what I'm saying? And I'll probably touch on, I'll probably touch on certain people in a in a future sports episode. I'm not gonna have time to do it here. So, um, so that was just me explaining what um a luxury tax is and everything else in between so i wanted i wanted the, the mets fans out there to basically get a better understanding what a luxury tax is and how crazy and and and, and difficult and painful it is to actually deal with that shit. because as an owner you're gonna have difficult decisions to make and yes it's all about taking a risk yeah you're gonna yeah you're gonna make bad decisions but sometimes you're going to have good decisions to make and you're going to be having your ups and downs which is part of which is part of which is part of life and and being a businessman and yeah there you have it right there man i, I just wanted to stress this because and you're not going to always like i said man you are not going to satisfy anybody it doesn't matter if it's um it doesn't matter if if it's like over a million Mets fans or not. These Mets fans, of course, they deserve um good games and stuff. But like I said previously, you're not gonna have a per you're not gonna have perfect games. You're not gonna have perfect games. Yeah, you want to be competitive, but at the same token, by the same token, like you you. You're gonna drive yourself crazy. You gotta think about your well-being. Baseball is a mental 
as there's a mental aspect to baseball. Of course, baseball is supposed to be fun. I would agree. But at the same time, it is a mental fact. There is a mental factor to this. And of course, mental health is real. And I don't care who doesn't want to hear it, but I have to say this, man. You can't put a price on mental health. You can't put a price on championships. You can't put a price on teammates, friendships, whatever it may be. You're not, you can't do that. You can't do that to people. You know what I'm saying? I look at these athletes in the men's organization on teams right now as human beings. So that's pretty much that's pretty much how I feel about this though. And of course, like you 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 really have to you really have to trust the recruitment process behind David Stearns. This is like this is like his third month going on his fourth month going on to being the baseball president of operations. So we met fans, we don't work for the organization. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes of things. And as far as, you know, me covering rumors or anything like that whatsoever, I'm not going to agree with those rumors. I would rather go by certain things that's official. And that's pretty much what I do when it comes to me doing research on certain topics involving the Mets or any other sport-related stuff that I do. So... And as you can see, that's why my background is orange because of the, because I'm a Met fan. So you know what I'm saying. So I'm not really expecting them to be a perfect team to win every game, but it's all about doing your best. You know what I'm saying. And injuries play a fucking role in the game. Okay, there's no such thing as a person who doesn't have injuries and struggles. You feel what I'm saying? So. That's pretty much what I wanted to say right there, man. And that's just that's just that's just me, man, to actually to actually put this to rest. So that's my take on the whole idea of the luxury tax. And you know, as far as like having a breaking point and not having any more patience anymore, I get it. But you're gonna drive yourself crazy. You're gonna drive yourself crazy as far as like your sanity and everything. So think about your well-being and think about your mental health. Think about everything that's going on inside you as Mets fans out there. Not everything is about not everything is about you. It's about the people in charge of these decisions that they have to deal with. We can only wait and see because everything behind the scenes remains to be seen. So this is where I actually um put a period button on here. All right, on to Jet Williams. On to Jet Williams, man, finally. I had to get this off my chest, man, because, you know, the whole idea, the whole idea of, you know, 
of course you can't force anybody to be patient but of course you know everybody has a breaking point where they're about to snap yeah of course you be paid money to see good games or whatever but you, you you also have to look at athletes as human beings that's all i'm trying to say not everything is about money you feel me all right let's get into jet williams man I know it's over two hours already, so I just want to get this out the way. Um, I want to get this out the way, though. Let's see. Um, all right, so. All right, so here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Hold on a second. Yes. All right. So Jet Williams. Um. So here, this is from mes- mesmerizedonline.com. So here we go. Um. Let me just uh close that. All right. On Sunday evening, double mos. On Michael Mayer reports on shortstop center fielder Jet Williams has been promoted from high A Brooklyn to double A Biginton. Um, Williams, age 19, was rated by double M as the New York Mets' fourth best prospect. So far this season, Williams is slashing 265, 431, 461 with 21 doubles, eight triples, 13 homers, and 53 RBIs. Sorry about that. He is 44 for 51 installing base attempts. The promotion comes a high A. Brooklyn lost their season finale to Wilmington to the Wilmington Blue Rocks with the 6-2 loss. They failed to qualify for the South Atlantic League playoffs. Williams was 0-3 for 3 in the game, walking twice. Williams has drawn 102 walks so far this season and has a 431 OBP. With Brooklyn's playoff dreams ending, Williams joins Binghamton AA as, as they are marking their own run to the playoffs currently binghamton is 35 25 trailing to somerset patriots by a half in games half game in standings in the standings with the patriots winning the first half the rumble ponies have already clinched a playoff berth by clinching second place in the division for the second half of the season this will be the third affiliate williams plays for the season Since the trade deadline, Luis Angel Acuna and Jeremiah Jackson have handled short. Drew Gilbert 
has predominantly played center. That said, Acuna has played some second, and Jackson has also played second and third, second, third, and right. Gilbert has also played some right. In theory, this could present an opportunity for Rumble Ponies manager Reed Brignac to put all four prospects in the lineup. All right, let's see. Let me see. Let me see. Um, let me see if there's any other. Um, All right. Um, in other Jet William news, Rising App from Rising Apple, um, drafted as a shortstop out of Rockwell Health High School, Texas, Jet Williams is on the fast track to making his major league debut for the New York Mets. Williams started the 2023 season in Single A in Single A St. Lucie, where he hit just 249 in 79 games, but his incredible plate discipline drawing 69 walks earned him a promotion to um to A plus Brooklyn. Um from there, Williams hit for a much better 299 and in 36 games while continuing to show his great eye at the plate with a 451 on base percentage. While developing as an offensive force in Brooklyn's everyday lineup, Jet was asked to play both shortstop and center field, given the organization's surplus of middle infield talent. Evaluators for the organization have raved about his versatility, speed, and arm strength between the two positions. Finally, Williams was promoted to AA Biggerton in September, joining other prospects, other prospects, Luis Angel Acuna, Drew Gilbert and Blade Tidwell to assist them in their pursuit of the postseason. In a small sample size of just six games, the shortstop hit 227, though six games is not enough to make an evaluation. Between three levels, the 19-year-old showcased his speed by stealing 45 bases and 52 attempts. All right, so, um, so there was an interview that happened, so I'm gonna go through this um the best as I can. So um just bear with me. All right, so um let me see how long is this. Okay. Considering the this fast rise, the lower the fast rise through the lower minors in 2023, is it possible we see we see Jet Wings in a Met uniform next season? When looking back at other high school prospects the Mets have drafted in recent years, the normal timeline is three to four years from draft day. Brett Beatty was drafted in 2019 and debuted in 2022. Pete Crow Armstrong was drafted in 2020 and 
was promoted this past September. And Jarek Kalonic, who is now an Atlanta Brave, <laughs> was drafted in 2018 and called up by the Mariners in May of 2021. If the Mets continue this trend, Williams will debut in 2025, given he was drafted in 2022. So that means he needs time to fully develop and, and as far as getting used to the atmosphere of the place that he's in. Um. Furthermore, the Mets have hired a new president of baseball operations, meaning David Stearns may be less hesitant than Billy Epler in promoting prospects at a young age. All right. Um, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Remember, none of none of Alvarez, Beatty, Mauricio, and or Vientos were on the opening day roster after performing well in spring training. Given Williams' versatility now playing center field and excelling at the position, there could be a path in 2024 with the lack of outfield depth. I would expect Williams to make his debut in 2025, given his lack of experience in experience at the double a level The Mets would be wise to be patient with a 19-year-old prospect and give him time to adjust with the increase in competition from Brooklyn to Biggington. Um, the Mets should continue to experiment with Williams at multiple positions as he could become the right-handed version of Jeff, of Jeff McNeil, a high on-base threat can, that can play both the infield and outfield. All right. All right, so let's so like let's wrap up right here, man. We're gonna wrap up right here. Um, we're gonna wrap up right here right now. So um, all right. Um, hold on a minute here. I'm sorry. All right, stream choices on the go, man. Hang on one second, man. Oops. All right, here we go. Stream choices on the go. Let's do this. Make sure you follow 
excellent fun vibrant talks podcast on threads alongside with instagram alongside with my other podcast shows that i do meticulous vibe juice podcast off the meat rat chains new york avenue podcast alongside myself g money stacks triple five in queens new york your host with the most creator youtuber um all the above man and turn on your notifications so you can know when i will be on instagram live doing my doing my live stream recording podcast episode um recordings um and yes if you go to um my link tree you're gonna see you see a whole list you're gonna see a whole list of um hang on yeah, you're gonna see a whole list of order streaming platforms, including everything where you can listen to your podcast and stuff. So um if you you can down actually you can download these apps onto your iPhones, your Android tablets, no, your Android phones, iPhone iPads, Android tablets, laptops, which includes Apple and um Dell laptops included. So if you want to if you want to check out the episodes don't worry i got you back so starting starting with if you go to my link that says excellent fun vibrant talks pod you're going to see a whole list of audience streaming platforms which includes um odyssey audible amazon music breaker bullhorn fm Castbox FM, Deezer, Listen Notes, Moon FM Podcast, Player FM, Pocket Cast, Pod Friend, Pod Hound, Podo Polo, Podorama, Podcast Index, Podcast Attic, um, Pod Chaser, um, Yes, Pod Chaser, Podcast Guru, Podvine Snipped, Spotify, Spotify for Podcasters, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, the number one app where you can listen to music, radio, and podcasts for free. You don't need a credit card or debit card to download iHeartRadio or any of the apps whatsoever that I just mentioned. All you need to do is your part by subscribing and following the podcast on every streaming platform wherever you have and and alongside with um doing the same with um youtube make sure you go ahead and grab that subscribe button for me on the sports youtube channel page of excellent fun vibrant talks podcast um sports edition show the spot where we talk things everything in everything in baseball including the mets um basketball football you just name it all man um you know what i'm saying leave a like and a comment along with the sports topics that is being discussed in each episode including this one if you click on the like it helps the algorithm of this sports youtube channel page all right 
the sports YouTube podcast channel page right here. All right. Um, stay tuned for more video content, upcoming episodes, previous episodes. In case you miss any of the episodes whatsoever, don't worry. I got your back as always, man. You know what I mean? And also, also, um, you can make sure you share the share the episodes, share the videos. You can also download the episodes and also add this podcast to your playlist, whether you whether you have Spotify, Odyssey, Audible, Breaker, Castbox FM, any of the apps that I just mentioned, including Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and YouTube, and all the other streaming platform apps that I just mentioned not too long ago, um, wherever you get your podcast to listen to. And you and when you when you add the podcast to your playlist by subscribing and following the podcast, you will be notified on new episodes that's going to be dropped every every week. All right. So so yeah, there you have it right there. And also also be sure to listen, stream, watch the episodes, tell a friend to another friend, spread the word, word of mouth is important. And of course, be sure to share my link tree slash excellent fun vibrant talks pod with your husbands, your wives, your boyfriends, girlfriends, the people you are cool with from work and everywhere else where you meet new people. All right. All right, man. I'm up out of here. I'm your man, G Money Stacks, aka the Greginator. Thank you very much for listening and tuning in and rocking with me on this episode on this episode 70 titled It's Wild. All right. It's wild. Oh, one more thing before I get up out of here. Before I mention this, um, I don't know if y'all heard that um for all you for all you Met fans out there who um who didn't who didn't know that Justin Verlander was not gonna come to come back to the Mets. Unfortunately, um he signed with the Blue Jays. Let me just let me just pull this up real quick. Let me pull this up real quick before I wrap up. Um let me pull this up real quick. Um all right. Um, let me see. Yes, um, yes, I hate to be the bear bad news here, folks. Um, Justin Turner has agreed to a one year deal for 13 million dollars with the Toronto Blue Jays. So, the, the Toronto Blue Jays and Justin Turner have agreed to a one year deal worth 13 million dollars. The team announced Tuesday Turner can make an addition additional $1.5 million in bonuses, according to multiple reports. The Blue Jays had been linked with high-profile free agents and potential trade targets. Earlier this 
offseason, but instead have added multiple veterans on one-year deals. Toronto also brought back outfielder Kevin um, um, Kiermaier and added utility infielder Isaiah Kenner um, Falefa last month. Turner, at age 39, batted 276 with 23 home runs and a career-high 96 RBIs last season with the Boston Red Sox. The two-time All-Star has spent his previous nine seasons with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Toronto hopes Turner will bolster uh, a lineup that struggled to support stars Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette with consistent production. The Blue Jays were 11 in the majors in OPS, 745, 14th in runs scored, 746, 16th in home runs, 188, and 13th in slugging percentage. 417 last season. Turner figures to be Toronto's primary designated hitter, but also can serve as a backup to Guerrero at first base. He was a designated hitter 98 times last year and appeared 41 times in the field. Uh Justin Turner um has proven himself not only as a, an exceptional player on the field, but also an exemplary leader in the clubhouse. Blue Jays general manager Ross Atkins said in a news release, Justin's history of delivering in big moments and his consistent pursuit of winning are admirable traits. A World Series champion with the Dodgers in 2020, Turner is a career 288 hitter and 187 homers and 759 RBIs in 1,539 games. He has also played for the Baltimore Orioles 2009 to to 10 and New York Mets from 2010 to 2013. All right, man. So there you have it. Yeah, so there you have it right there, man. There you have it right there. Um, all right, so you know, you know, remember the grind doesn't stop, hardware pays off. Um, if you want something, you have to work hard and earn it. Um, cause it's not going to be given to you on a fucking silver platter. So, um, New York wasn't built in a day and the same way city field wasn't built in a day in Flushing Queens, New York. Um, and also, like I always say, Look, f- look for um, something that that clicks to you, that makes you happy, um, that makes you smile. Alongside with confidence, being consistent with your craft, whether it's podcasting, like I'm doing right here, as an art, and everything else in between, and of course, find your niche, your niche, and be confident in what you do. And don't let anyone stop you from following your goals and dreams. Um,
Yeah, don't let anybody stop you from following your goals and dreams that makes you happy. You only doing you only doing it for you, not for your parents, not for anybody. And if you and if you want to ask yourself this question, are you doing this for a consistency basis or are you doing it for the moment? That's where you gotta ask yourself that question too. Um, so yeah. Um also, um, also, um, you want to actually, um, you know, make sure you check in on one another, though, man. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's a Met fan out there, um, wherever you are, if you are in the USA area, the five boroughs, wherever you are rooting for your baseball teams, as far as like the Mets, the Yankees, wherever you are, man, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, be sure to check into one another. Uh, very important, even though there's been some, even though during the offseason, there's been some, um, there's been some signings, which is progress, even though it may not be the famous names whatsoever. Um, you're not gonna always get what you want, folks. You're not gonna get what you want. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? And as I was saying earlier in regards to the whole luxury tax situation and everything else, yo, listen, David Stearns and and Steve Cohen, they both are dealing with luxury taxes and all that other stuff, which is very difficult because, like I said, they still paying the leftover of um, Justin Verlander and um, Max Scherzer. And I hope this is a lesson I hope this is a lesson right here, not just for Mets fans, but also a lesson to not pick an older person. And I'm glad that they they steer clear away from Justin Verlander because of his age. You know what I'm saying? 39, man. 39. He's close to 40. You know what I'm you know what I'm saying? And it's a big deal. And it's a big deal in um when it comes to baseball. And let me just leave you out with this, though, man. Um, you may not be happy about the, the the certain signings and all that other stuff, whether it's from Yankees or anywhere else whatsoever. But, you know, let Davis Stearns and Steve Cohen do their fucking jobs. You feel what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying, folks? All you Mets fans out there. Some of you Met fans, not all, but some of you, some of you Met fans out there, man. Um, I just want to say, as a Met fan myself, I'm not tripping. I'm not tripping off these signings. It may not be, it may not be famous names that we're familiar with whatsoever, but at the same token, like you know, you have to look out for your sanity and your well-being, man. You, you you cannot drive yourself crazy over um certain players that's that's not you know quote unquote perfect, quote unquote on having good games whatsoever. Because there's no such thing. Like I said before, there's no such thing as a fucking baseball player not having any struggles. You can't put a price on mental health, man. Like I always say, man, and I'm just gonna say it, and I'm just gonna say it again. All right. Um, so like I always say at the end of the show, 
be sure to, you know, look out for yourself, your well-being, your sanity, and, you know, find yourself a skill that you're good at, whether it's, whether it's hobbies, whether you're trying to build a career, and whether it's podcasting, whatever career field you choose and desire to go for. Um, be sure to be on your P's and Q's creatively, mentally, physically, and spiritually that gets you into your zone alongside with tunnel vision, okay? So be good to yourself. And I want to remind, um, I want to remind y'all, um, there's not going to be a podcast next Sunday because of Super Bowl 58 that's going down. All right. And and of course, um, I know y'all are ready to see Usher perform. I know I'll be watching, but I'm not sure if I'm gonna be watching the game either. So um, like I said, it's on CBS February 11th, market calendars, 6 30. On CBS, and and I hope y'all are basically um doing you know get-togethers and whatnot. So I'm gonna see y'all on the flip side, man. Next time, next on the next episode, next time it's not gonna be a podcast next Sunday due to Super Bowl Fifty Eight, man. I'm out of here. Peace and one love. Take care of yourselves. Don't go crazy over one athlete making mistakes because every baseball athlete is human beings. So, you know, you stop shaming, stop shaming athletes for their mistakes. You know what I'm saying? So I'm out of here. See you on the flip side. Peace and one love. And of course, next time, happy Super Bowl Day weekend. Next weekend all right peace out good night everybody
What's up, folks? G Money Stacks here. You want to hear more of me? I need your help on a couple of things. Go follow Excellent Fun Vibrant Talks podcast on threads and Instagram so you can be in the know on sports topics I talk about in each episode on a weekly basis on Instagram Live. Plus, go grab the subscribe button, click on the notification bell, and enable alerts on the sports YouTube youtube sports channel page which is excellent fun vibrant talks podcast so you can be reminded on the day and time when the podcast goes on the air via live stream you can go to the link in bio where it says excellent fun vibrant talks pod so you can download each app add the podcast to your playlist so you can know when each episode will be dropping so you can listen to the podcast episodes on every streaming platforms, including Spotify for podcasters, which is formerly known as Anchor, Odyssey, Audible, Amazon Music, Breaker, Castbox FM, Diesel, Google Podcast, Listen Notes, Moon FM Podcast, Player FM Podcast, Podfriend, Podhound, Podopolo, Podorama, Podcast Addict, Podcast Index. Podchaser, Podverse, iHeartRadio, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts, all right? So, be sure to catch up on the new episodes dropping on Wednesdays and Thursdays on every streaming platform, all right? I'm your man, G Money Stacks, aka The Greginator. Thank you for listening to the podcast.